it is in the humble opinion of this narrator that this is not just something that happened. This cannot be one of those things. This, please, cannot be that. And for what I would like to say, I can't. This was not just a matter of chance. These strange things happen all the time. This is Harrison Crown, and you are listening to the Lucid Pictures Podcast. All right, hello and welcome. This is the Lucid Pictures Podcast. My name is Harrison Crown, and I'm just going to get right to it. This movie that this episode is going to be about is the greatest film that has ever been made. Yeah, I said it. I went out there and I said it. This movie stars Jeremy Blackman, Tom Cruise, Melinda Dillon, Philip Baker Hall, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ricky Jay, William H. Macy, Alfred Molina, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, Jason Robards, and Melora Walters. It was written and directed by my favorite filmmaker, Paul Thomas Anderson. If you don't know what movie I'm talking about, it's Magnolia. Magnolia is unreal. I am so excited to give this movie a 10 out of 10. I hope that that rings true at the end of the episode as well, but I know after watching it, every time I watch it, it's just unbelievable. It really blows me away. There's stuff to see throughout every time you watch this movie. Uh, The music is unbelievable. Amy Mann did the music for the film, an artist who I love. And it's an ensemble cast, and uh, it's basically a movie about chance and and just the interwoven connections that happen in life that we don't necessarily see but are clearly there um this movie had three academy award nominations tom cruise won best or was nominated for best supporting actor as frank tj mackey Amy Mann, best original song, Save Me, which is an unbelievable scene in this movie. And then Paul Thomas Anderson, best original screenplay. I think it should have uh, been nominated for much more than it got. Obviously, I think it should have won best picture, best director, best everything. I mean, this movie is just so, so good. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, so I'm just going to get right to it. And I have Jack Galvin coming over later this evening. We're going to sit down. We're going to watch the movie. And then we're going to have a little bit of a conversation. So without further ado, Magnolia, here we go. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one It's the loneliest number since the number one Alright, so Just watched Magnolia And the way I've been starting these uh, episodes is On a scale of 1 to 10 Or 0 to 10 With decimal points included 0 being worst movie of all time 10 being the greatest movie of all time What's your thoughts? I'd say off the bat, I'd give it, I'd probably give it like an 
8.4. Yeah. Okay. I have reasons behind that. All though. right. No, all right. I did not like it. I thought it was really good. All right. That's that's fine. Should I keep going on this? Yeah, here? keep going. Okay. So when I first started watching this, it was like adrenaline, pure adrenaline. Yeah. Until like probably like the halfway point. Yeah. And then the halfway point, I actually thought like the movie got exponentially better. Okay. Like the I thought the acting was better. Yeah. I thought like there's some parts like halfway through, like even the music. The yeah. music was just like boom, boom, boom. Like I was yeah. just like so I couldn't like enjoy it. I yeah. was like, what's going on? How is this all affected? How is this tied together? Yeah. And then I still don't have a clear answer of that. Yeah. But but as like it got towards the end of the movie, like I was way more like engulfed in the characters, okay. like the development of it. I think if I rewatched it, it would probably be higher. All right. Well, we're gonna see what we can do to get that higher. Because <laughs> uh, I'm gonna ask you again at the end of the uh, end of the episode. So, I mean, I'm gonna give my rating. I knew it from before. I called it before. I mean, this is the best movie in the world. Like, this movie is a straight up ten. And so when when I watched this movie first, I uh, I first watched this movie in college. And uh, a friend of mine was like, I have this movie that you're gonna you're gonna like it. So I put it on and I'm like, my couch was like probably like five feet, six feet away from the TV. It was like a small room. And in that opening scene, when they're telling the stories of chance and then when he, the narrator says his last bit talking about how these things happen all the time, Mm -hmm. I found myself pressed up against (laughs) the tv and then when the song like kicks in i was just like oh my god this is the greatest thing i've ever seen and so it like just hooked me right in and and you're right so the first part of the movie there's a little more comedy there's it's it's got a little bit of everything and it's sort of this this it's telling like setting up the story i mean it takes them an hour and 45 minutes to like set up the story 100 percent. and then the second half of the movie which when it started, like it gets a lot heavier and um, it it's like slower to an extent. But I mean, when I'm watching, when I was watching, I was just like, I, this could go on forever. Like I could just watch this just yeah forever. And yeah, so I I don't know how you get an eight point four with the description you just made. <laughs> I think it's because it trust me it's not because I don't like it I'm a harsh critic but yeah. it was I had that feeling too I'm watching it and I'm like where is this going yeah like so no I knew it was going to be three hours long and I knew that you had such high praise for this movie yeah and for some reason it just took me a while to like get into it okay that's the only reason I'm not yeah. giving it a higher score because I'm I didn't know what to expect we didn't like do any homework it's my first time seeing it yeah but I thought it was really like powerful. Yeah, it was really good. It yeah. was, it was almost like I, whoever's gonna listen to this might hate it. It was almost like the beginning of the movie was like a Spike Lee okay. script. There yeah. was like too much dialogue. Okay, there was like too much going on in every direction. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, and I, I'm like so excited to like get your take on more of this because I'm like, I have so many questions. Yeah, no, dude, this is, this is definitely a, a space for you to ask those questions. This is probably, 
I mean, I've seen this movie over 20 times. That's, and, that's a lot. And I love it more and more each time I see it. Um, I still, that opening scene, just the, the opening bit is just like so amazing. Um, the filmmaking, just like from a cinematic, like cinematography point of view, like it's so well done. I don't know if you recognize that one shot where they were going through the studio and they were oh, tracking yeah, yeah. and it just like kept following and it would follow yeah. someone and then it would like someone else would walk by yeah. and then it'd start following them. And that, that's like a four minute shot. Was what we watch it in, do we watch it in 4k? Yeah. Okay. So I have gripes with that. Okay. I love like, it's like when you watch a Spielberg movie in yeah. 4k, it totally takes away from what the cinematography well, yeah, is. Yeah. Because it's, it's not 4k didn't exist. Well, right. I get it. <laughs> but I'm saying like, I would have, I think I would have rather watched that on like an old, like, like a DVD. Yeah. Or yeah. like a Magnavox TV All right. and seen like the original <laughs> yeah. like camera lens, like what yeah. they intended you to see, how you see the picture. Oh, no, totally. I, I think that that makes sense for these two. Cause like, I mean, this movie was made in 1999 mm -hmm. and, or it, yeah, it was, it released in December of 99. And so it was, it was meant to be like Oscar films. It was, he was coming off of Boogie Nights, right. which is an awesome film. Yep. And the thing that really bummed me out is I was, I, I looked up what movie won best picture that year. So this didn't even get nominated. Okay. Which really surprises me. Tom Cruise got nominated for best supporting actor, which I think was totally deserved. Totally. Um, that end song, Save Me, yeah. was nominated for Best Original Song. How, um, how many nominations? It got three. It got three. And okay. then Paul Thomas Anderson got Best Original Screenplay. Okay. So those were the three it got nominated for. Do you know what movie won Best Picture that year? 1999. Uh, I'm trying to think. 99. I, off the top of my head, I do not know. Shakespeare in Love. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what other? Do you know what other movies? Were I didn't nominated? look into what other movies came out that year, but yeah, Shakespeare in Love won and I mean, was nominated for thirteen Oscars that year. I, I saw that movie when I was younger, yeah, and I, I mean, it's not a rewatchable movie. No, it's not <laughs> like by any means. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a letdown. Yeah, a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, this movie that I consider to be like, so, so here's. There's like three different ways I look at like the best thing of all time. So Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite director. Everything that he's ever made, I just love from his first movie, Heart Eight, to um, I actually haven't seen his newest film, the one, uh, what is it? The is it Phantom, the Phantom, Thread. Phantom Thread? Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen that one yet, which I'm kind of holding off on because I just like want to have another movie to see. If Isn't it Daniel Day Lewis's last yeah. movie yeah. supposedly but, too? But he, he says that every yeah, time. Yeah, he says that every time. <laughs> until, until he writes a new script. But yeah, and then like there will be blood. Like, come on. Yeah, great movie. Um, so Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite filmmaker, but the greatest filmmaker of all time, I mean, is probably Stanley Kubrick. Like, I I agree, I don't think my favorite is the greatest. Mm -hmm. And then this movie, I think. Is, is definitely my favorite movie and I give it a 10 out of 10, but is it the greatest movie? Is that next question like from just in my opinion, is it the greatest movie? Like, yeah, because it's my favorite movie. Sure. But then when you go to like script writing, there's one movie that I think has the perfect script and that's the movie adaptation. Have you ever seen that? Uh, is that Spike also Jones movie written by Charlie Kaufman with Nick Cage? Nick Cage has. I haven't seen it. Oh, 
I have not All seen right. it. Well, we'll I, have, I remember seeing the cover of the movie, yeah. but I've never seen the yeah. movie. Yeah, so I'll have you back on if you're willing to, and totally we'll do willing. that movie next totally time. Because that movie is fucking so perfect. Okay. Um, as far as the script writing is concerned. And so, yeah, I'm super biased with this movie just because, like, the first time I watched it, I was so... And I think when we paused the movie, it ruined it a little bit. Because it was almost right at the halfway point, too. Because if you didn't know there was still an hour and 45 minutes left, you wouldn't have thought this movie was three hours. Even though you knew that, you, yeah. it doesn't feel that. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> when I was in college, there was a kid who came in after literally just taking a bunch of ecstasy. And he he sat down and watched the entire movie, and I was like, "That that captivating!" And it must have felt great. But it was like, yeah, this movie is just—I don't know. I love it. I love that opening scene. I love how they introduce all the characters. So like the whole inner interwoven uh, bits with the characters, Mm -hmm. like everyone's connected. Yep. Um, I love that. I love that it's ensemble. There's no lead actor or actress. Um, and it's the, in the intro, like John C. Riley's character is amazing. He's amazing. I love, and all of them were amazing. And, but like his character, I just have like this special place in my heart for that character simply because when he's praying at the beginning mm-hmm. and then he gets up and he claps. Yep. It's like yep. the funniest thing. Yep. And it's like, let's do this. And then he's in his car. Like you hear him doing like the little talk, like he's on like a cop show yep. or something. There's no, and there's no one in the car. <laughs> he was so. I was thinking about this, like, as I saw, I, I did a little bit of, like, research going yeah. into just, like, IMDb. Yeah. Of, like, who's in it. And I'm, like, yeah. looking at the cast. Yeah. Like, like, pound for pound, this is probably one of the best casts. Yeah. Of, like, who's in it. But it's it's fun. It's amazing that I didn't see this movie until right now. Yeah. Because I'm a pretty big movie buff, I would say. But during that time, I guess I was, like, going into, like, junior high. I yeah. was really starting to, like, understand movies and characters yeah. and fall in love with different actors. This has some of the best actors for that time that came to be, I mean, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, John C. Riley, Tom Cruise is amazing in everything. He's, yeah, Julianne Moore, like it, yeah. it, it just like Philip Baker Hall, like that whole the whole cast is so good. It's so good. Yeah, and, it and was they like, all gave incredible performances. I like loved every character differently. Yeah, like starting, I thought. I would say all the way through the movie, my favorite character was Phil. Yeah. Just just because, like, I just liked, I liked his acting yeah. through it. Like, it just... And I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. But then, it's funny how my opinion on the characters completely yeah. changed by the end of the movie. Yeah. It, it Like, I totally did, like, yeah. a 180. Well, and then, the Tom Cruise, the whole... His whole bit at the beginning... And he's like that intro. He's like, respect the cock. Oh my God. Like, and just coming just in like, hot. Dude. And it's like, I, it was funny because Marlo gets up and is like, I don't remember that part. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh no, that's a big part of the movie is his like total misogynistic, like beyond misogynistic. Thing. I did not expect that at yeah. all. Because like everything I looked at when I was like, like I said, I didn't do a lot of research, but when mm-hmm. I saw Magnolia, I saw Tom Cruise. Yeah. And I thought Tom Cruise was going to be this focal point. Yeah. And I had no idea, yeah. like, what that was going to be. And it was like, I mean, he, like, gave me anxiety. Yeah. When he was on stage. Yeah. It was 
It blew my mind. No, and he like that whole and his character changes from just like this like soulless person yeah. to like in the end when he is just like hyperventilating, crying, saying like don't go, don't go, like don't you go, don't you go. Is do you think so yeah, I like that, and, well, that and moved then, me. Yeah, and then at the end, I mean, now we're jumping to the end, we'll go through the whole thing, but at the end when John C. Riley's doing his next cop bit in the mm-hmm. car and he's talking about forgiveness and like mm-hmm. what do you forgive what do you forgive and it's like boom all tied together yeah. and it was just like a perfect way of ending that film and i love the gun coming down yeah that was, <laughs> that was great that was great yeah that that was like a, a pivotal thing like what i was talking about as far as like how i felt about yeah. that character because yeah, you kind of hate him at, at the first. end but then like it, I, I think i'm just guessing paul thomas anderson is like Maybe he's trying to say, like, we judge people too quickly. Yeah. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Of being quick to be like, I'm yeah. going to make an assumption about something. Yeah. And then he even has that one point where he's not talking and she's like, what are you doing? And he says, I'm quietly judging you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that like hit yeah. me. I was just like, because his whole like mood shifted and I was like in yeah. that character. I'm like, whoa. All right. Okay. Yeah. I see what's going on here. Yeah. But then that's what really tied it in for me. That one, especially like at the end of the movie I was just like I was so wrong about you yeah (laughs) yeah like I understand like where this pain is coming from is there a part of you that wanted him to drop kick one of those dogs so (laughs) so bad I love like when you're first watching it like you probably experienced I was so like engulfed in like like oh my god like every I have to pay attention to every little detail so I'm so quiet and then they'll drop a line like that and I just lose it well then it was like it was so needed because if I I think if that he didn't say that and he said it twice if he didn't say that it would have been way too heavy it would have been uncomfortable it would have been like uncomfortably heavy and yeah. like you're in this and it was so like tastefully put in there yeah. and perfect timing it was perfect I'm just like this guy is about to see his dying like almost dead dad that left him when he was a kid and then he's like we're like oh my god we got this really emotional scene coming up and then he's like I will drop kick with fucking dogs if they come <laughs> for me <laughs> Oh man, yeah. well, I, there's some things I have major questions. We can wait till the end. No, do it. Let's. Can we just address the frog in the room here? Uh-huh. What? Okay. What's the What's the symbolism here? What's the metaphor? Is it like the rapture? Is it like? It, I I just don't understand. Did you notice any number sequence or two numbers throughout the movie? I can't say that I did. Eight and two. So is it a Bible verse? It is. So there's 82% chance of rain. I think six six times in the movie, the numbers eight and two appear together. Okay. So it's like 82% chance of rain. There's something in the introduction with the kid who jumps off the roof that there's an eight and a two there. Um, at one point during the uh, game show, like someone's holding a sign that says Exodus 8-2. And I have the... Um, the scripture. So Exodus eight, two in the English standard version is, but if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. Wow. Right. So that was sprinkled in throughout the movie. And you said before the movie, you were going to notice all these symbolism. And that was something that was like, when you watch it again, it's like in your face. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that I was gonna say there was something I, I kept like noticing 
colors yeah. in weird ways. So like the couches in front of the TV in the beginning, there was like a dark and a light. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the cars were yeah. like black and white. Yeah. And one thing I was looking at, and I don't know if it's accurate or not, but William H. Macy was the whole time driving this white car. Yeah. Until he decides to like rebel and steal the money, he steals a black car. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I'm like, oh, he's going to this like evil side and he's yeah. like painting these colors into it. Yeah. But that was it. I mean, I was trying. I think I was like focusing so yeah. hard. I'm like, where I'm is guessing it? that's probably why your fucking score is so low. Maybe. I mean, it's not that low. It's pretty low. Okay, for your standards, <laughs> it's low. I gave it a ten. <laughs> no, but I, and I'm not saying that it, 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 something in like the mid eights isn't a bad movie by any means, especially if you're going to be a harsh critic. Um, but yeah, there's symbolism throughout this entire movie, and like the more you go back and watch it, it's why I've watched it so many times is the more you go back and watch it, the more you that was super impressive. So this movie, I believe runtime is three hours, seven minutes and 14 seconds. Oh, is that just a rough estimate? No, I I believe it's, it's either that or three hours, eight minutes and 14 seconds. And I know that because there's another movie called shortcuts, which was a series of Raymond Carver short stories. I don't know. Uh, Robert Altman made the movie and it was Paul Thomas Anderson, one of his favorite movies and it's three hours, seven minutes and 14 seconds. And so he was paying homage to that movie. That's awesome. With this one. And like literally to a T to the second made it that long. Man, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it was, <laughs> It was powerful. Yeah. It was not, I just, I had no idea. I, I love that you told me to like, like we're watching this fresh. We're doing this right after. Yeah. Cause I, if I watched that movie, I would have watched it several times before we did this. No. And I think that's like the point of, I, I like getting people's first impressions because I wasn't at a 10 mm-hmm. when I first watched it. I, think I was like, oh, this is like my favorite movie, but I wasn't at the, like the, this is the greatest movie of all time. And I think the more I've watched it, I'm just like, this movie fucking holds up yeah. and there's so much to it. And just like, I love watching it. And it's like, I try and watch it at least once a year because you just like catch things different times, you know, and like some things have more power symbolism than others. And I mean, the, the eight, two thing is like, that's, the, the big one and then the one thing that I've never like fully grasped is the kids rap I was gonna ask about so that. I've I've searched it and there's different like theories on it um, the only theory that like kind of makes sense to me is the worm is like him mm-hmm. and he's the one who killed them so okay because he's like running around throughout the whole thing he like picks up the gun like so he's either the worm or he knows he's related to the worm or he knows the worm. And that's like the only thing. And I think that that almost is like a decoy. Yeah, it was. So when John C. Riley's character like stops him in the street and yeah. he does that rap. Yeah. You know, I'm like kind of trying to listen to it and pay attention to see what he's saying. And then at the end, he's like, I, I just told you who killed him. I'm yeah. Like, Shit. Like we should have rewound yeah. it. And like, yeah. And then, well, then and that's he does when, that other rap like yeah. at the end, and I for some reason I thought it was some kind of prophet type thing. I I had no idea. Well, he said he's the prophet. He, he did mention <laughs> prophet a few times, yeah. but I, I'm like, how is this yeah. tied together? Yeah. Because um, when I first when I first saw the movie, that bit I was like, what did that mean? And someone had told me like he describes the plot of the entire movie. And then I really looked into that and I was like, no, he doesn't like at all. 
Yeah. I would like to see the actual <laughs> script of yeah. like what he says. To no, see totally. If it's... Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing about this movie is you can like, you, you can do so much research on it. Yeah. Cause it's just like, and have you ever, have you ever heard Paul Thomas Anderson talk? I don't think so. So what do you, what would you imagine like a conversation with him would sound like? <laughs> like if, if someone was interviewing him, do you think like, what do you think? personality he real level like monotone type person i would i would expect like no spikes in personality this guy is a fucking dude he was on mark maron's podcast and he's just like mark maron's like you know did tons of research and he's like got all these questions and he's like so why why this and he's like i, don't know, I thought it looked cool <laughs> he's like why this he's like i don't know it sounded cool to me like he's like he didn't he doesn't have like this like well I had these thoughts of these. It's like, no, he's like, why put the Bible verses in there? He's like, why not? Yeah. He's fucking frogs raining. Yeah. That's sick. <laughs> he just does what he loves. Yeah. That's awesome. And and then it was funny because Rob McElhenney from it's always sunny was on Mark Maron's podcast, like the next episode. And he's like, he mentions Paul Thomas Anderson. Cause he was like, he's in, I mean, PT Anderson has influenced so many filmmakers. He, he's such a great filmmaker. And he's like, yeah, you kind of Mark. He's like Mark. You kind of fucking ruined Paul Thomas Anderson for me because I'm expecting him to have all these like deep, insightful answers to your questions, and the guy's a fucking dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's it's like such he, a dude. After watching a few of his movies, yeah. I'm like, this guy's a tortured soul, man. Yeah, like, he, no, he is just like the fucking chillest guy ever. Although, so at the Academy Awards, so that that year was the same year that South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut came out. Okay. And Blame Canada got nominated for Best Song. And he stood up and booed when they, like, did Blame Canada. Is he Canadian? No. He just wanted Amy Mann to win, and he didn't think South Park should win. And I was like, uh, that's not dude-ish. Yeah. That's kind of lame. That's, yeah. like, the only lame He's rude for the home about. team. But, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that, so yeah. whatever. But, yeah. So, but, yeah, he's just, like, he's this normal guy. Who just happens to be, he's like a total cinephile. He knows more about movies than fucking anyone. And maybe Tarantino knows a little more, but. It was, it was Tarantino-esque. <laughs> yeah. Like the way everything was connected. But I think Tarantino steals a lot and makes it like, it's very Tarantino, but like he steals kind of like these things from people. I think Paul Thomas Anderson is like, oh, I like a little of this, I like a little of that, but I'm going to make it like completely my own. Yeah, it's very original. Yeah. It's like Tarantino covers songs, but he just covers it better than the original artist. Yeah, and I think Paul Thomas Anderson is influenced by yes. songs kind yeah. of thing. Yep, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, man, I don't even know where else to go from here. I mean, there's just so many questions on, like, so the scene at the end where um, I I can't remember the dad's name, the game show host. Yeah, he's about Jimmy Gator. Yeah, he's yeah. about to. Can I give spoiler alerts here? Yeah, he's about to kill himself. Yeah, and then the frog comes through the window, yeah. knocks it down, and then it lights the electrical socket. I'm assuming the house goes up in flames. That would be one's guess. Yes, I would think that, but it's like, why? Do you want him to save face for his family? Like what you know, if that if, if what he said holds water and really tormented the daughter that way, I yeah. would I wanted to see him shoot himself. Yeah, but does he have the right to end his own life? I guess yeah. There's no everything's tied. There's yeah. fate, chance. I, yeah, that's a yeah. that's a great point. Yeah, 
I guess that's just what or I wanted the Paul character Thomas to Anderson do. would be like, I just thought it was cool. Like, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason. It's just killing me. Frog hit his gun. Like, that's dope. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what um, what would be some of your like? What were some of your favorite parts of this movie? I I think we already hit on it, but one part what I was really just encapsulated was when she was doing the interview with Tom Cruise. Yeah, and he just his giant bulge. It, yes, the giant bulge was just like we, we got to like read up on that. That can't be real. You got to be stuffed with like a Hillshire Farm smoke yeah, or like something. Like a watermelon. Something. <laughs> I think it was massive. These, those, they were like saggy, tiny yeah. whiteies too. Yeah, yeah. That that whole scene of just seeing the ups and downs yeah. and the lies yeah. of like this person he created and just to like he like almost removed his father and, and adopted someone else's persona yeah and became this thing and then just one question like why do you lie yeah. like brought him back down and like flatlined him yeah I, I thought that scene was just like i was sunk in the couch yeah. with him when i was watching it yeah well and uh, like lying and the truth is a huge theme in this movie right where you know jimmy gator it's like can't he doesn't remember the truth or does he remember the truth he's been lying and cheating and then his daughter when she's on the date with John C. Riley, is like, let's just not lie and like cut through all the bullshit. Uh, which also, I love when anyone swore in front of John C. Riley. Yeah. He was like so offended. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that scene is really great. Um, the When John C. Riley goes into that woman's house and she's like don't you go in down that hallway don't you go down in my bedroom don't you open that closet like she leads him to the body right <laughs> that that bit like i don't know i it had to have been deliberate but i was like why is she like leading him to the body maybe it's to to just build his character's credibility as a cop i i don't know i yeah. was that whole scene threw me off yeah. of what he was the rest of the movie. Yeah. So like he, he had a quick bounce back for me because yeah. I'm like, what's going on here? What's the point of this? Yeah. I'm not sure. He's kind of like this douchey, you know, I was, I was a star quarterback in high school turned cop, like on a power trip type thing. Mm -hmm. And then it quickly turned into like, he's just kind of a simple minded guy just trying to do his job. Yeah. And, like soon as I figured that out about him, he's like the I, loser. I the loved course. him yeah. way more. Yeah, no, he's is it. Uh, I do, I do like in that scene when he's like, "Is anyone else here?" And she's like, "You're in here." He goes, "That's true." <laughs> is there anyone else in here besides me and you? Like he's like so professional. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, one thing that tripped me up a little bit was the kid, Stanley. Yeah. That was, um, I, I, you know, I stopped you like halfway through because I, I kind of got this weird, I'm like, wait, is this like a flashback of William H. Macy's character or they're just bridging the two that yeah. he was once on the show? And once I realized that, I'm like, you know, what, what does this kid have to do with a lot of this? I know they're all connected in a weird way, but his connection with everything, it, there has to be like a bigger thing to do with this kid. Well, I mean, even if you, like, I, there's so many ways to answer that question. 
But the way I want to answer that question is simply for one line that he had when he said, this is something that happens when the frogs are raining from the sky. And this, this kid is totally based on like facts and logic and all this stuff. And then like frogs come raining from the sky, which is just not based on any facts or mm -hmm. logic. And he thinks it's and like completely like, normal. Something that happens. Yeah. It's something that happens. And that's also what the narrator says at the beginning of the mm -hmm. movie and the opening scene. Yeah. And so like, even if that was the only reason that character was in it, but also they had, so Earl Partridge owned the studio, the studio that ran the show, the Jimmy Gator runs. Right. And they had to have like to have Jimmy Gator's character. They had to have, and they couldn't have just like had a normal game show going on throughout this movie. It I guess that's have, you know. how it's all tied together. They yeah. just they, they put a, a lot of focus on that kid. Yeah. For for it to lead to that, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because I thought that was gonna go somewhere else too. Well, just his relationship it, with his dad and well, and that's the same relationship that William H Macy's character had with his parents. His parents true. took all of his money. Yeah, it's and true. And that's like the the dad when he sits down, he's like, all right, make me some fucking money. Yeah. Like the dad is like it shows these parents, these overbearing parents, and that could be a statement towards just like overbearing parents in yeah, general, like totally sports or game shows or whatever it may be totally and I, so i i think that yeah his character probably not the strongest i guess i he guess he was like I'm, a little he was like the glue i guess he could be he maybe yeah. he was i i just think when i looked at all the characters and like how i kind of like fell in love with each of them Mm -hmm. He was the only one for me. I'm like, I just don't, yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't, don't like love him. him. I don't, I'm not sure if I get why yeah. there's been so much time on him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, maybe that's what Paul Thomas Anderson wanted us to think. I yeah, no, no idea. there's definitely a reason for it. He had a lot of lines, so and he he was a he was a big character. Yeah. Um, trying to think. So Claudia, the daughter. Mm -hmm. um, Poor girl. I know, but and and. We should we should watch again and count how many times we see her just doing lines of blow. Yeah, in that movie. It well, was, I mean, it's every time you see it. It, it, it literally every and time. Then when she was in the cab, she has a little <laughs> key bump. <laughs> yeah, we, it's like counting punches in like in a Rocky movie. Yeah, it's like it's probably like twenty five times at least. I mean, it's three hours. She's probably got you know thirty minutes of screen time, maybe more. She's, yeah, we're gonna have to go and do the overline on that at least. Yeah, it's a lot of cocaine. Yeah, a lot I wonder how much that's worth. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, and then at one point, she like spills all the cocaine everywhere. Yeah, just rushing at the yeah. door. Yeah, that was a bummer. So was the whole movie? I know it was in California, but was it? It's like supposed to be in a specific city. It's in LA. It's in LA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't catch that till yeah. like not halfway through. Yeah, it's just through. in LA, um, which makes sense because that's just it's a game show mm -hmm. like it's probably on a studio lot so yeah. um yeah takes place in la a place where it doesn't rain as much right so it only rains frogs yeah it only rains frogs <laughs> uh there was an interview with uh paul thomas anderson and this just shows like how much of a dude he is they were like so why rain frogs and if you, he these people like really hadn't looked into the movie that much and seen all that, like the eight, two and the Exodus, like all that stuff. And he was like, I would have had it raining cats and dogs. But we didn't have the budget, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So the frog raining, I mean, just, and, and it comes up like 
it comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. because you're not looking for that other like the symbolism and like, right. those numbers throughout the movie the first time you watch it right. so then it's just like the first frog just drops you're like what the fuck I had no idea so when that first hits his car yeah. I thought it maybe was going to tie back to his gun yeah. being lost I'm like maybe that was a gunshot to the window I'm like what the fuck is this yeah. and then he pulls out as soon as I saw it was a frog I'm like what the fuck is about to happen here <laughs> Like, I, I thought there was going to be some cargo plane somehow that, like, the no. beginning, like, scooped up water, like, the diver that yeah. like, was doing that with frogs. And yeah. I'm like, this is a lot of fucking frogs. Yeah. So I think you went about watching the movie the wrong way your first time. Possibly. That's kind of how I, I think you were, you went into it looking for symbolism. And I think the first time you need to just watch it. Yeah. And probably. enjoy it. And then as you keep watching it more and more start picking up symbolism because like when you start looking for it like i've watched it so many times i can just like look for it yeah and not like because i've seen it i know what happens in the movie so i can like start looking for like little things here and there but if i would have sat there and like looked for symbolism the entire time first of all you miss you miss the story i mean it wasn't like (laughs) i wasn't like macro yeah like lens on it you know it was i was trying to just get a feel for where yeah. it was going, the character connection. But I was, you know, most of the time I'd be like, well, what does that mean? What does yeah. that mean? But I'd be like, okay, hang on. Let me take a step back and just try to get my bearings here. Yeah. It was just all over the place. Yeah. You know, like I said, the first half was me just trying to figure out, like, in my head, I'm like, how the fuck is this going to be connected? Yeah. Like, I, I just, and I start started to get little pieces of it, but it was honestly the last half of the movie when I really start, like, when I saw the, they cut the commercial. It said like big girl productions. I'm like, oh, there that is. Yeah. And then like little things. It yeah. just when it meshed, I was able to like relax okay. and like understand like more of like where the movie was yeah. going. Well, and that's probably why it's a three hour fucking movie because yeah. they use an hour and a half of the, setup. The <laughs> character development in any movie is like a really tricky thing to do. Yeah. And the, he did it with like ten people. Yeah. In did it so well yeah it was yeah yeah it was really impressive it was just like the filmmaking in general was so impressive and um i'm so glad that this was a movie that he so when he made when paul thomas anderson his first film is this movie called heart eight um it's with phil baker hall and john c Riley, and it's a really good movie you should see it it's awesome okay but so it's called Heart Eight. He originally made it, and it was called Sydney, which is what Philip Baker Hall's character's name is. And they, uh, the studio basically said, you can either have Final Cut, or you can name the movie. And he was like, Well, take I'll, Final I'll take Cut. Final Cut. Yeah, like I'm to. like you, that, I'm not gonna let you like cut up my movie. But he's like, I'm never gonna not have final cut and the name of the movie ever again yeah so in boogie nights if you remember the opening shot to boogie nights is this like eight minute tracking shot Mm -hmm. and then it pans up and it shows the club named boogie nights and it comes down and he was like yeah try and fucking change the title (laughs) (laughs) like he is just awesome and there's so many good stories about him so he went to nyu uh for like three days and he like because his first homework assignment i can't remember what the script was this first homework assignment was to like write some dialogue and he literally just took like an oscar i can't remember what movie it is but it was an oscar nominator oscar winning film and just like submitted it and they gave him a c 
And they were like, this isn't good dialogue. And he's like, well, it's funny thing about that. (laughs) And then his teacher was going on about how he's like, you don't want to make stupid movies like Terminator 2. And he just left. And he was like, Terminator 2 is fucking awesome. It was a a great movie. He's like, Terminator 2 is dope. Definitely rewatchable movie. So he just like left film school and started. Yeah, he was. He so he came up. There's. all these great filmmakers from the 90s and and like in general like they make their first film when they're 26 like their first big film or like first notable film when they're 26 and then they get nominated for something usually 28 29 and it's like uh, I think the Coen brothers did this. Quentin Tarantino did this. Paul Thomas Anderson did this. Like there's just like this slew of filmmakers that came out in the nineties that it was like all of them. The magic number was like, start your career at 26. It's like the forever 27. Club. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So he made heart eight when he was 26. Cause like boogie nights was based off of a film he made in high school, which was the Dirk Diggler story. Mm-hmm. It's like a mockumentary. It's really fucking funny. Um, but yeah, he, so he like they'd made stuff previously, but his first like film, which was Heart Eight, he made when he was twenty six. And it's yeah, it's just like a cool little fact. Of the films he's made, what number was this one? Like let's say like bigger films. His third. This is his third film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean it was the dude's really talented. Yeah. I mean everything you he has just this dark side to him. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, you're talking about just how he is in person. Like, he's a cool dude. It's just so, like, I just don't see that, you know? So that makes it that much more interesting. Like, I'm, like, invested in, like, getting to know who this this guy is. Yeah, I mean, I would love to just, like, sit down and have a meal with him because I bet it would just be, like, a really chill meal. And I'd be so, I, I would probably ruin it. They'd be like, your movies are awesome. Just be crying. <laughs> it's just like, be so jacked up. But this movie, so this is the end. This movie was made, it released December of 99. And that was like the end of American independent cinema. Yeah, probably. The 90s was like. The, the 90s was the best mu- yeah. movies, like by far. Yeah. I mean, even you, th- you talk about not just great drama movies and yeah. like Oscar worthy movies, but go back to the like kid movies. Like Home Alone, yeah, Bushwhack, like things like that, where it's still like a little bit, you can get away with being like things that you cannot do now yeah. in kids' movies. We just had this like freedom, yeah. It's yeah, well, and just changed like, so much. You look at this like independent cinema now, and it's like so many people are making movies. People are making movies with their iPhones, and like that's great and that's mm-hmm. awesome. More content, that's awesome. But it's like hard to filter through the bullshit, right? But in the nineties. There was just like like when Miramax was still around, yep. it was like people were giving these filmmakers money to make good movies. Mm-hmm. And now we're in this like Marvel era where only money is going to go to these big budget action superhero movies. And like, I mean, in, in and it's just like it's ruined me like wanting to go to the theater. And I yeah. talked about it in the first episode uh, that I did of this podcast. And I was, I asked my guest who was Will Hurd. He, I was like, when's the last time you went to a movie? 
He was like, yeah, it's been like at least a year. And I'm like, yeah, I fucking... It's I w- like, it, I don't want to go to the theater anymore because like there's nothing good that come out. Like, I want to see Joker, but that's out of theaters. I just saw Joker yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah, and I want to do that on one of these uh, episodes because I... We definitely need. Phoenix. Yeah, we need to. That yeah. was a, that was a great one. Yeah, um, Todd Phillips too. I don't yeah, know. Todd it's, Phillips it's, is sweet. it's something that, like I don't know much about Paul Thomas Anderson. I and I know a little bit about Todd Phillips, but I feel like yeah, some reason those two would be like good drinking buddies. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think they just kind of have like a similar story background from yeah. what I know. A little well, bit and it Todd was Phillips. like Todd Phillips is like dark comedies, mm-hmm. where Paul Thomas Anderson's like funny dramas like funny dark movies kind of and it's like they're just like a little backwards yeah so I bet they could like if those two teamed up and like co-directed and co-wrote a movie I bet it would just be it would would probably be awesome yeah yeah like and I think they would work yeah I think it would totally mesh yeah it would be great I don't think they would struggle but those are like so we're talking about some of the names right now that I think even though circling back to Joker that is like it's not a Marvel movie. It's a superhero movie, but it's its own thing. Yeah. But I think that those two guys kind of have it figured out as far as like originality, yeah. still making good stuff. There's another guy, Lupin. It's kind of a shift from his name's John Carney. Okay. He does these uh, like music movies that he did once, okay. Begin Again, and um, oh man, I can't think of the name. It's a it's Kids in Ireland. It's a great movie, okay. regardless. But I love those kind of movies. Yeah. I didn't see them in theaters, yeah. but those are the kind of movies where I'm like, okay, there's still hope for, for cinema yeah, and like people making original pictures well, that are just I, like, this is all my idea. Yeah. Well, the thing that kind of sucks though is, and I think Netflix is hopefully going to save like good. Totally. Content. I think these but Amazon now, Netflix will. People just want to binge watch shit yeah. and they don't want to watch movies anymore. And it sucks because like they want to watch either like explosions and superpowers or they want to watch like, I don't know, like Downton Abbey, like on fucking like ten in a row, or like Peaky yeah. Blinders, and it's like I'm, I'm nothing against those shows, and I, I love watching television, but I want to fucking watch a movie. Like that's I love movies. Well, how many? So I think Netflix did it right. So, and maybe Amazon did it with Manchester by the Sea, but so. El Camino just came out. Yeah, the, the that Breaking was the Bad. first episode I did on this Netflix, podcast. they released that to theaters, right? Or did it go just only to Netflix? Well, it was on Netflix. I know it was on Netflix, I, but... It, it might have been limited release in theaters. I think if it you're going to do that, like, that's the way to go, yeah. right? Like, yeah. do, like, a maybe a month release to a theater and yeah. just see what kind of traction it gets, and yeah. then you can release it to Netflix. Yeah. I mean, but you're well, right. Well, it, it wasn't released. It was, if it went to theaters, which I think it went to some theaters, it was, it went to theaters the same time it was released on Netflix. Yeah, I think it was simultaneous. Yeah. I would say, though, to like, for what we're talking about, to save that experience, like maybe have Netflix create something, put it just in theaters for a month, and then release it on Netflix. Because yeah. it, it kind of gets you like still pumped to go to the movies, right? Yeah. And going to the movies is part of that experience yeah well and these movies are so high budget films Mm -hmm. they have to charge like what what's a fucking movie ticket cost nowadays at least 20 bucks like i would guess no i mean i usually go to alamo and that's like i think 12 bucks okay 
But still, like... Yeah, but they're upcharging a lot for food and drinks and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's where they get all their money, yeah. the theaters. But still, that's a lot of money. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, it was it was like seven bucks. Yeah, like I think six, it was six, six seven bucks. Six, seven bucks to like go see a movie, and it yeah. was like, that was worth it. That's the same you'd pay to rent a movie on iTunes, and it's like, that should be the cost. Yeah. Because you're going to see it once. Right. Like, you don't like to purchase a movie on that, like... That's why I always wait till it just comes out on either like HBO or Netflix or iTunes and just buy it there. And because it's just like I'm going to spend either I'm going to be able to watch it in my own home and watch it multiple times if I want to. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to go to the theater and like because the last the last movie I saw in theaters and I don't want to get into it because I did too much on the first episode of this podcast. I fucking hated it was Bohemian Rhapsody. I I didn't I didn't love it. I hate it. I didn't love it. I don't want to go too much. Yeah, we we don't need to like go down that path. But I I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um. But so that like they're putting these shitty movies in theaters. Well, (laughs) not just that. It's like it's almost like everything you see now is in some way, shape, or form a rendition of another movie. Yeah. And that's what we're in this recycling era. Everybody's recycling stuff, especially oh my god, like Disney's like hammering. Listen, the new Lion King was good. The old one was a million times better. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. I didn't says. see the new one. It was, it's whatever. Yeah. It's cool that they're doing this and they're kind of keeping this thing alive for, for kids. Like, you yeah. know, when I have kids or my nephews, like, seeing their, you know, they're going to see this. Just like, fucking re-release the movie. Yeah, just re-release it. Yeah. You're spending all this money to do it. it it's like, I, I guess the point I'm getting at is we're just losing so much creativity. I know. And I can't talk. I'm not writing scripts. I'm not like making movies these guys are and i'm like putting the pressure on them like hey keep going like paul thomas anderson you have a a niche here like you're very good at being original todd phillips like you're you're good at like doing this um and i think that's what scares me about like the future of yeah well that's one thing that there's the, the one piece of hope that has happened in the last like 10 years is do you know the production company annapurna I don't. So Megan Ellison, whose father is, I can't remember what his name is, is an oil tycoon, tens of billions of dollars, like super rich guy. And he basically just like gave her and her brother a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. And her brother was like, let's see if I can make like some money off of making movies. So he like, He's made some like cool movies with his production company. I can't remember his production company's name, but Annapurna is her production company. And she was like, I'm going to take these great filmmakers that are like the best filmmakers who ever lived and I'm going to help them get their movies made. That's awesome. like, so she, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, the Coen brothers, Tarantino, like <laughs> she's like went out there and just was like, Hey, like you guys are awesome. And I want those movies to live. So that was one thing where it's like, all right, sweet. We got a billionaire just like dishing out money to make good movies. And so like anytime Annapurna comes out with any film, I'm like, probably going to be a good one. Yeah. It's probably going to not make a lot of money. Yeah. That's the kind of the telltale sign right now. Right. So the way I really like the way I know I really like a movie, honestly, Mm -hmm. is if I can, watch it again yeah and i can watch it on repeat obviously for you, you've watched it over 20 times that's <laughs> insane so this movie is unique because it's it's gonna force me to do that yeah especially after talking about it yeah. like this because i have to see 
like what you see and what you saw and i know the next time i'm like oh and i know what to expect yeah so i think i'm gonna be like re-watching this movie yeah so that's for me that's a sign like this is a pretty good movie yeah um how many times do you think you'll rewatch it i would say at least i'll probably watch it two more times okay at least that's great just the you know yeah. i don't know the timeline of that but i yeah. think in order for me to like really get this the way that you understand yeah. this movie um that would probably be the number for me i would say that watching a movie more more than two times deserves to be in the nines. Oh yeah so, you, so, to, you so, can't so, buy yeah. you so can't buy my vote <laughs> there, there are certain movies like you know it, it's not it's not the same with everything yeah. i was actually talking to my girlfriend about this, but we went and saw the Joker. Yeah. And I thought the Joker was a great movie. Yeah. But I don't think I need to see it again. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe for a long time. Yeah. Like a long, long time. Yeah. Um, well, cause there's so many different types of like, you can see a great movie and just be like, all right, I, I, I saw that. It's mm -hmm. great. I'm done with it. But then there's like other movies where it's, you see it and you're like, this is great and I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. And then there's movies like this where I'm in the, it's great. I can't wait to see it again. I, but it also like you're saying, it forces you. To I'm be more like, interested. You got to figure out what else is going on in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, so do you have any last questions before we wrap up here? No, I think I, I was thinking about what we should do next. I want to do trilogies. Oh, trilogies. Yeah. All right. I got some ideas for some trilogies. All right, we can do some trilogies. But all in all, it was it was a good experience. All right. So yeah. where's uh where's the rating at the end? I had an eight four to start. I, it I'm, I'm, I'm I, you can't. I no. I'm just. Curious. I'm gonna keep it at eight four. I'm all confident right. in that for right now. I'm gonna keep it at a hard ten. I, it's been a hard <laughs> ten since before I watched. It. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm yeah. excited to get you back on the podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. So damn I'm hanging with you, but I'll be coming back around. No, you see me lost my way, but I've been headed mountain bound. And all the things you had seen, and I should have stuck around when you couldn't breathe, and I'll try to keep you down. Come down, Daddy. I got your letter, and I remember what you said. Put my head down, work through it, and always be a bigger man. You've been lost in them trees. And I should have walked you home Now I'm down on my knees Paying all the tolls 
through them trails and cookie rolls we'll see each other soon circumnavigate this wicked world and now we'll hide up at that moon cause time it ain't so slow It is slipping through the cracks I hope you'll always know Memories bring us back